0: Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
1: Did you know that the Anxiety Disorders Association of America estimates that more than 4 million Americans between the ages of 18 and 54 suffer from chronic anxiety? And according to London's The Independent, in an 11-year period between 1993 and 2002, prescriptions for antidepressants rose by over 15 million. Further, we know that stress caused by worry contributes, if not causes, many of our known medical issues, including hypertension, heart attacks, diabetes, ulcers, headaches, and strokes, and that's not all. It also increases the body's retention of the hormone cortisol, which increases fat storage in the abdominal area. Yet, we can't seem to stop worrying. Well, our guest today comes to tell us that there's a solution, and her plan to transform worry into inner calm, provided in both her books, Calm and the Keys, gives us a four-step process to stop worry in its tracks and bring excitement, passion, and personal empowerment back into life. Denise Merrick is internationally known as the worry management expert. In addition to being regularly called upon by national and international magazines such as Martha Stewart's Body and Soul, United Kingdom's Red Magazine, Australia's Clio Magazine, and Canada's Chantelaine, Denise is the author of Calm and the Keys, co-authored with Sharon Quirt. Through her proprietary Calm methodology, lectures, consulting, videos, articles, and books, she's helped individuals and corporations around the globe to free themselves from worry and cultivate inner peace. Denise works with both leadership and teams along with their clients, helping them to eliminate worry in their personal and professional lives. Her client list includes several Fortune 500 companies from around the world. Denise is hired to speak at corporate events and provide on-site training and consulting resulting in more effective and efficient work environments, less stress, and greater strategic planning success. Welcome, Denise, to the Authentic Living Show. So glad to get to talk with you today.
2: Oh, thank you very much for inviting me.
1: Well, we're going to talk a little about Murray and then we're going to talk a little bit about calm. So let's start with worry. Do you think we're more worried now than we used to be or are we just more aware of worry?
2: You know, I've asked that question to a lot of people and I'll ask at different times of the year. I'll ask in different years to try to come up with an answer. And I just think in general some people worry. So regardless of what's going on, in fact, I used to be the biggest worrier around when I was little. That's why I got into learning how to stop worrying. My mom used to say to me, Denise, if there was nothing in the world to worry about, you'd find something. And and I think that's the case with a lot of people. So even when everything's going well, they worry. When things aren't going well, they worry. So I would say it's probably the same.
1: Right, yeah. I would agree with that. I think probably there have been people who worry all throughout time, and there are some times when when most of us would worry, but then there's other times when people are are worrying out of some kind of um, pattern of behavior, pattern of thought. That, uh...
2: Yeah, sometimes it's a learned behavior, so they, they might have learned it to, in their childhood. And it can certainly become a habitual thought pattern. And also, in 1996, they discovered a gene. So some people are more genetically prone to worry. So if you had a worrier in your family, uh, you, you might be genetically prone to worry. As my mom used to say, Denise, you've come from a long line of worriers. So I'm here to tell you that if I can stop worrying, there's hope for everyone.
1: <laughs> there you go. You know, some people say there's a distinction or some people ask me if there's a distinction between worry and anxiety. Do you see a difference between those two or are they pretty much the same?
2: No, there is there is a a significant difference in in just even the the bodily response that causes it. So so some people will feel different reactions throughout Anxiety, and they might even feel anxious without even being consciously aware of it. In terms of worry, most of the times you could be feeling fine, and then suddenly think, "Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this goes wrong?" And then you cause yourself to to set off that reaction of anxiety.
1: Right. So, worry can be a precursor to anxiety. Then.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Well, some people say, and I think Marianne Williamson uh, would be one of these, would, uh, say that we fear our own calm and peace not only because it's so unfamiliar but also because it's so powerful. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Sorry, could you repeat that? I lost the beginning bit.
1: Yeah. Well, let me just say it instead of trying to uh, be fancy-schmancy about it. The, the, the idea is that it was, we fear our own uh, calm because it actually is quite powerful. Is that, do you think that's true?
2: I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable with calm and peace, and partly what I've discovered is the reason they feel that way is they think that their worry is actually serving them. So they think that if they're feeling peaceful and they're not actively worrying that things are going to suddenly fall apart. So a lot of people think, well, if I'm not worrying about my kids, then something might happen to them. And so they develop this belief where if they're feeling comfortable, they're thinking, I better start worrying about something so I can keep everything together. But really, it just keeps you stuck.
1: Yeah, and my theory is it's kind of a bargain. You tell me if you you agree with this. I I think it's kind of a bargain that says if I'm worrying, I'm somehow in magical control of the outcomes.
2: Right, and that's never the case. Absolutely never the case. Right,
1: right, absolutely, because who knows what's in charge of the outcomes. Yeah, so in your book, Calm, you suggest that the first step for us to learn how to transform worry into calmness is to challenge our assumptions. Why do you think that's so important?
2: Well, most of the time when you're worrying, you're assuming that something you don't want to have happen might happen, and you're making all of these negative assumptions. So say, for instance, Suppose that you wanted to go on a vacation, and you, you, you really desperately want this vacation, and you're sitting in the airport, and now suddenly you're, you're conjuring up all of these worst-case scenarios, all of your assumptions. Well, what if something happens to my kids while I'm away? What if the neighbor forgets to feed the cat? What if they lose my luggage? What if the plane crashes? And then suddenly you come up with all these what-if scenarios. You answer it with a negative assumption, an enormous amount of worry can set in. So in challenging your assumptions, what you really do is you learn to answer those scary what-if questions with a more favorable assumption. So in many cases, you still get to make an assumption. However, you want to choose a more positive assumption. So say, for instance, your spouse is is home, uh, sorry, rather, not home yet from work, and you're worrying, like, what happened? Um, Is he up to no good, or did he get in a car accident? And you start to create all these negative worst-case scenarios. In that moment, stop and ask yourself, what else could it be? What is a more likely, more favorable reason that this is happening? And so, really, it's just a way of of grabbing hold of your thoughts before they take control of you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and and assumptions are just that. You said it; uh, they are not necessarily true. They are an assumed reality.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and when we assume a reality, we sort of live into that reality, don't we?
2: Yep. Absolutely. And you know, some people will think. Uh, Well, if I don't worry and the worst case scenario happens, isn't that just a bunch of Pollyanna positive thinking? Isn't it uh, sensible for me to actually worry? And so uh, something I'd like to tell people to consider is if you're afraid that the worst happens, and it does, you experience pain twice because you've experienced the pain of worrying and you've experienced the pain of a less than favorable outcome. But if you believe that things are going to go okay, and, and maybe they don't, now you only suffer once. But the best part is if you believe that something good is going to happen and that's what happens, then you don't have to experience any pain at all.
1: Exactly. That's right. Very well said. I like that. Yeah, we, we do sort of punish ourselves before, during, and after, don't we?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, all worry really is, is it's, it's a fear of loss. So yeah. that's something really worthwhile considering for those people who are listening that are ro- really worrying. Ask yourself, what am I afraid of losing? So say, for instance, you're afraid, you're worrying about your children. Well, maybe you're, you're worried about them losing their, their happiness or their independence or their, or their health. And then what are you afraid of losing? You're afraid of losing your child. Or if you're worried about money, you might be afraid of losing your possessions, your ability to take care of yourself, your own independence. And so when you can get down to the root of what you're afraid of losing, in most cases, what you discover is the one big thing that we worry about is that we're afraid of losing our happiness. And yeah. that's why a lot of people do what they do. It's to gain happiness or to avoid suffering. And so, what the interesting part is, we're worrying that we're going to lose our happiness, but we're creating suffering.
1: Right? Exactly. We're we're creating the very thing we're worried about losing. Exactly. Uh, happiness. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know the the whole thing about. Um, Playing that out, going to the root, is um, something I do all the time as a therapist and helping people sort of play out the worst-case scenario and say, okay, well, if that happens, then what? Well, then this will happen. Well, if that happens, then what? Well, then this will happen. Well, if that happens, then what? And generally what people get to and the bottom line is, well, I'll deal with it. You know, <laughs> I'll deal with it. The bottom line, I'll deal with it. It's, you know, I'll just deal with it. And that's really life, isn't it?
2: Yes, absolutely. You know, that that's so essential, is to develop your belief in your ability to handle whatever comes your way. Because when you know that you can handle anything that comes your way, and let's face it, we're human beings are strong people, and you've handled everything in your life that's been thrown at you so far, and guaranteed you'll be able to handle whatever else comes your way. And when you really truly can believe that on a deep level, there really isn't a lot to worry about.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to come back uh, right after the break to talk some more about worry and turning worry into inner calm with Denise Merrick, so stay tuned for more.
2: Awakened Media for a Transforming World. 7th Wave Network.
3: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare
0: care. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now.
2: Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network.
0: You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now. toll free one 472 5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in global learning communities in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And today we're talking to Denise Merrick about her work, Calm and the Keys where she teaches us how to transform worry into inner calm. And we were saying uh, just before the break that uh, we worry bec- uh, for all kinds of reasons and that we were talking about the, uh, the idea that we, um, we have to learn to challenge our assumptions as a first step to transforming wor- worry into calm. And the next thing you suggest in uh, the book Calm is that we control the controllable. What are some of the things a person can do to, to begin to control the controllable?
2: Well, well, here's one thing. Before we get into some of the action steps that they can take to control the things that are within their control, it's important to understand that the reason this step is in the book is that sometimes worry does serve you. That's why we have the mechanism in the first place Sometimes if you're worried about your health, could you imagine if you had no concern at all and and you just said, well, I'll just leave it, and then you get very ill? Or if you were worried about your finances because you knew that you were in a little bit of hot water, sometimes that's saying, you know what, wake up here. You need to set a budget or you need to to get some credit help or you need to talk to a financial advisor. So sometimes worry is prompting you to take action. Mm -hmm. So the key then is to ask yourself, In this particular concern, and I always recommend to people that when they're worrying, they grab a piece of paper and a pen and write it down. Get it out on paper because it's so much easier to work through your worries if they're right out in front of you. Mm -hmm. So write it down on a piece of paper and then ask yourself, is this worry prompting me to take action? If you're worrying about something that's beyond your control, then you move on to the third step in the calm process, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But Sometimes it's telling you to take action and say, okay, now what actions is this concern prompting me to take? And then follow through on your action plan. Now, sometimes the following through on the action plan is the most difficult step because, let's face it, when you're worrying about significant things, sometimes those actions are sort of scary to take. Perhaps you're in a very unhealthy relationship and you know that that worry is prompting you to end the relationship. That's a pretty scary step to take. And so you need, to, you need to write the list and then do the things that you can to help you follow through on those steps. And sometimes it's just a matter of, of talking to yourself differently. So, for instance, let's say that you are in an unhappy relationship and you've tried counseling and, and now you've decided, you know what, the best thing for me to do is to get out of this relationship. Well, worry might stop you from following through. You might be worried about what other people are going to think. You might be worried about not being able to support yourself financially. So a number of other worries will come up, and they'll, they, they could stop you from following through on the actions that you need to take in order to eventually stop the worry. And so it's important to have those, support, those supports in place. So, for instance, I say you, you should never go through it alone. It's really good to talk to someone else for a second opinion on a regular basis. So that could be a really good friend. It could be a therapist. It's got to be somebody that you trust that tends to see the most hopeful view in any situation. That can kind of be your, your support system as you're going through those those scary action plans. And it's also important to, to be aware of the fact that if you're feeling frightened, that's not necessarily a sign that you're not supposed to follow through. It's a normal part of the process of making any significant changes in your life.
1: Mm-hmm. Well said, yes, absolutely. I think... Uh, you, you, what you said is a whole mouthful because you're talking about doing a reality check first and just really checking in with yourself to say, is my fear realistic? I mean, like you said, if you're standing in the middle of the street and a Mack truck is coming, your fear is telling you to get out of the road. Um, so, yeah, and then to be able to write that down and be able to get realistic about it then helps you do that process of assessment. And then if you, as you do the process of assessment, then you're then you're really beginning to be able to say, what, is, what can I do something about and what can I not do anything about? So that's a wonderful process. Thank you so much for sharing that.
2: And the other, the other point is also don't ever judge your life choices based on trying to please other people because you're not going to be able to please everyone. I mean, I've made some choices in my life that I knew were the very best thing for me. And this was early on in my life when I was in my 20s, and I remember thinking, yeah, but what's everyone going to say? And I made the changes in my life anyway, and what I came to realize was the people who tend to be negative, gossipy, and so on, guess what? They were negative, gossipy, and so on. The people who were tending to be positive people in my life, they were supportive and encouraging. So what I discovered in taking an action, even though it was frightening, was that people are going to continue just the way they've always continued. Some will be negative, some will be positive. The main difference is you'll be happy.
1: Absolutely, and that, I find that that pleasing other people is one of the biggest things that people who worry tend to worry about. Is that true for you? Do you think that's true?
2: They do. Uh, they tend to worry a lot about what other people what other people think, and in fact, it's it's a big issue. And I cover that topic quite a bit in the book. And one of the things that I I give is three steps on how to deal with judgment and criticism from other people. Wonderful. And the first thing I really recommend is, when someone's worrying about criticism or they've been criticized or judged and they're worrying about that, the first step is just to consider the source. Ask yourself, who's criticizing you? Criticizing you? Is it someone that you trust, who loves you and, and wants the best for you, and so they're really giving you some constructive criticism, or is it a small thinker? The reality is, there will always be those people in the world who want to knock you down with their negative outlook. So there's no sense wasting your energy trying to figure out why they judge you. It's sort of an unsolvable thing. That's, that's what judgmental people do. They judge. You don't need to take that judgment and include it in your own belief system about you. Right. And that's, that's very, very important. And so Absolutely. that's the second step. Care about what you think of yourself. And I know that's a huge change for a lot of people, particularly when they've been people pleasers but just to realize that, you know, it's important for you to make yourself happy. Begin being good to yourself.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that shifts the paradigm from an external to an internal point of reference automatically.
2: Yes, and when you start taking care of yourself, I know that's hard for a lot of, a, a lot of individuals too because they think, oh, I can't take care of me because that's being selfish. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree with that being selfish at all. I, I like to call it self full that doesn't mean you're full of yourself, but it means you are full of love for yourself. And when you do learn to love yourself, it, it, it really is true. You can love other people so much more effectively and without conditions as well, and you just feel that, that sense of peace regularly and ongoing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I mean, you just said have said so much about what it means to really reflect on yourself, and that makes all the difference in terms of getting to that place of peace and calm. So, okay, you said we can begin to control some of the stuff that's controllable. What do we do with the stuff that's not controllable?
2: And there, there's a lot of that, too. There, well, there, there are several strategies that, that you can take into consideration and to apply in your own life when you're trying to let go of those things that are absolutely beyond your control. And I have to say, one of my favorite strategies is to declutter. And the reason for that is often when I'm in my big groups, I'll have everybody close their eyes and I'll do a little visualization exercise that says, you know, imagine you're in this really relaxing, peaceful place, and then I get them to concentrate on how that makes them feel. And when I'm at the front of the room, you, you can see a little smile forming on their, on, their, on their mouths. And then I'll say, now, in your mind's eye, zap back to your home or office. Is there a difference? And oftentimes I'll hear people groaning, <laughs> and I say, why is that the case? And the reason is our surroundings affect us. Our surroundings affect our moods, our attitudes, and our emotions. And that's where decluttering comes into play because when your physical environment is messed up and cluttered up, your brain also feels messed and cluttered too. So a really great place to begin getting rid of all of that mental clutter is to start with your physical environment. But here's the interesting part as well. It's funny because we know that and we think, that's right, I'm going to declutter But what has us holding on to clutter is worry. Here's a common worry thought that has us holding on to too much stuff. And millions of people have this thought, stop them from decluttering, and it is, what if I need it someday? Well, there it is. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Well, I used to teach three-hour seminars on how to get rid of clutter and organize your life. And what I discovered was if you haven't used something in the past 12 to 18 months, Chances are pretty good you're not going to need it in the future because all of the seasons have already passed by. But uh, I do know about Murphy's Law where you throw something out and suddenly you think, oh, man, I knew I needed that. (laughs) Well, when that happens, ask yourself, well, would I have known where to find it or that I even owned it in the first place if I hadn't decluttered? Mm -hmm. Another worry thought that has us holding on to that stuff that's messing up our lives is we, we ask ourselves, what if it's worth something? So sometimes we've watched it. Do you remember that antique road show a while back?
1: I do remember it, yes.
2: And so, so I remember watching that a while back, too, and I think, hey, what if my junk is valuable, too? But if you really feel that your clutter has monetary value, I often recommend, why don't you sell it now and save the money in an interest-bearing account? That'll help you bump off the number one thing people worry about, which is money oftentimes. Yep. And instead of asking yourself, what if it's worth something? Again, it's all how you reframe things. That's the key in letting go of worry, reframe it. So instead of saying, what if it's worth something, ask yourself, what is it costing me? Because sometimes your stuff costs you more than you even know. It costs you you financially. You have to pay to insure it. You have to heat it in the winter. You have to air condition it in the summer. You have to pay to, to have a place big enough to store it all. It costs you time. You have to move it around to find what you do need. It costs you in that very valuable mind space. So I always say make a commitment, even on your action plans for everyone who's listening, make a commitment to get rid of just three items of clutter in your home or office. And that's always the biggest help in in decluttering, which is simply getting started. Yeah,
1: and and I I hear so much in that 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 has to do with, Worry as inertia that sort of says, I can't do that now because I'm busy worrying. I can't get myself organized. I'm busy worrying, you know. So, and we can talk some more about that right after the break. We'll be back for more from Denise Merrick in just a few minutes. Stay tuned.
2: Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network.
3: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences' research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care.
1: Want to change your life? The New York Open Center can help. We offer hundreds of ongoing classes, workshops, and professional trainings that heal the body, nurture the spirit, and awaken your true potential. Visit opencenter.org to check out our programs in holistic health, self-development, spiritual practices, creative arts, and much more. With our wellness services, bookstore, and cafe, we're an oasis in the heart of the city. And with Open Center Online Learning, you no longer have to be in New York to take classes. Visit opencenter.org
3: today.
0: wellness network
2: awakened media for a transforming world seventh wave network
1: The Authentic Living Show is also sponsored by the New York Open Center, dedicated to nurturing body, mind, and spirit through holistic learning and world culture. Workshops, classes, and professional trainings, trainings in the arts, holistic health, spiritual inquiry, psychology, and more are offered daily. Faculty this season includes Elizabeth Gilbert, Julia Cameron, Anodia Judith, and Thomas Moore, to name just a few. Visit www.opencenter.org to see all that is available at the Open Center, as well as their newly created online opportunities. And today we're talking with Denise Merrick about how to be calm, how to transform worry into inner calm, about her books, The Calm, uh, I mean, excuse me, Calm and the Keys. Uh, We've been talking about the four-step process of stopping worry and uh, developing passion and personal empowerment. So, we were we were talking during the break about the big question. We talked with well, the question we talked about just before the break was, what, um, how do we, uh, what do we do with all the stuff we can't, con- we we don't have any say so about that we can't control, and um, we were talking during the break about the big question that I get all the time as a therapist is this idea of how does a person let go. So that's a good starting place, Denise. Why don't we can we answer that question? How do people let go?
2: Yes, yeah, so the key on on letting go, one of the keys, there's so many, is to, is to make peace with your past. To stop worrying about your past, you really do need to make peace with it. And how I often like to describe it to, to the people I'm talking with, I, I sort of liken it to the bags you take on vacation. So suppose you've packed your suitcase, you go on vacation, and while you're away you purchase some things. So you might purchase some mementos for yourself and some little gifts for your friends and family, and you might pick up some treats that you want to bring home as well. And when you're packing, now you got this stuffed suitcase because you've, you've accumulated some things on your trip. But you manage to, to uh, shove it all in your suitcase and then get that zipper closed. But you get it home and you unpack it. You wash your clothes and put them away. You give the mementos to your friends. You eat the treats. And... So it's it's kind of similar to your life in that as you go along, you keep accumulating things. But the difference is after your trip, you unpack it and then put the suitcase away and empty and ready for the next trip. But that's not the way we are with our minds. We keep everything accumulated and we keep all of our memories. And oftentimes we keep all of our, our regrets and disappointments and frustrations and hurts. But we really do need to learn to unpack those so that we can feel at peace with our past And I learned how to do that in part through a friend of mine named Sally Walker. And Sally once served soup in a soup kitchen. And she loves telling the story when she was working in the soup kitchen that one day she had made what she considered to be the best soup. She said this soup smelled great, it tasted great, and she was marveling at how wonderful she was at making soup as she was feeding the men and women who had come to the shelter that day. And she says that a little bit into her soup-serving duties, there was a woman at the back of the soup kitchen that said, you, come here. And that woman was Mother Teresa. Sally once served soup in the same soup kitchen as Mother Teresa. And she said she got up to Mother Teresa and she said to her, you know, hi, what, what, what is all this about? And she said, Mother Teresa said to her, look at the way you're serving people with disgust. She said, don't you know that we're all broken? Some of us are broken on the on the inside where no one can see it, and some of us are broken on the outside where everyone can see it. But she said, you have to realize we're all broken. She said, then you have to see that all of those beautiful little pieces come together to form a beautiful, beautiful mosaic. She said, you need to go home until you can see that mosaic. And, and Sally couldn't believe she'd just been sent home from a soup kitchen by Mother <laughs> Teresa. Oh, wow. But she said she gave it some thought that, la- that night. And she said, because she didn't realize that that's what she was doing. She wasn't doing it intentionally, but she said she would agree that sometimes people would come by and she'd think, oh, I hope you move up quickly because you smell bad, or I hope that um, you don't touch me because you're so dirty. Because she had seen their brokenness, and now she could see the beautiful mosaic. And herein lies the key with making peace with your past. Forgive yourself, because we've all made mistakes. We've all ha- had our lessons and experiences, and we're all part of that beautiful mosaic. And I think sometimes people feel really alone. They're ashamed or or regretful, and they think, if I just made different choices. But the reality is we make the choices that we make to learn the lessons that we need to learn. And once you can begin to realize that what forgiveness means is it's not about going back and, and changing the past, because obviously you can't do that, but it's understanding that all of those experiences, all of those lessons, all of those choices whether they were negative or positive in nature, have formed you to be the person you are in this very moment today. And when you can see that, then you can get to a place where you can start to celebrate your experiences because they made you the strong, wise, empowered person that you are in this very moment.
1: Absolutely. Each thing leads to something else, doesn't it? Absolutely. So letting go of the past is one of those things. And what about all those people in our lives that we'd really love to control? How do we let go of them?
2: That's right. You cannot control other people. I've definitely learned that. What I have learned, though, is if you're trying to control the behavior of others, because sometimes we would love to. I I do know that. Sometimes I would love to control other people as well. But it's really coming to a place where you can influence a change. I used to teach full-day seminars on dealing with difficult people. And what I've learned through doing so is that while you can't change another person, if you, if you do change yourself in some way, you get a change in that other, that other individual. They will start behaving differently with you. I, I use the example of often that show Nanny 911. So the parents will call this nanny and say, you've got to come and help me. My children are crazy. They're misbehaving. They won't listen to a word I say. And when she comes into the home, I'll ask the groups, I'll say, does she change the kids? And they say, nope, she changes the parents. She teaches the parents how to act, and by helping the parents shift their behavior, they see a behavior and a change in the children as well. So really, it's time to sometimes do a self-analysis when you want to control other people's behavior and say, okay, well, what do I want for my life? What do I want to create in my own life? How do I want to be? And it's, it's almost like magic when you just start focusing on what truly what difference do you want to make in the world? What contribution do you want to make? How do you want to serve? And also, how do you want to experience your own life? Do you want to be healthy and strong and peaceful? And when you focus on those things, as I said, it's like magically things transform around you.
1: Right, right. And, and as, you, as you're doing that, you're also taking care of some of your worry and anxiety because once you fo- begin to focus on yourself, you're beginning to own and take responsibility for what you can take care of.
2: Yes, and sometimes we just don't try new things, and we, we're stuck in our old patterns. And when you're stuck in your own pattern physically, you can get stuck in your own pattern mentally as well. So sometimes it's a good idea to say, you know what, what do I want to try that's new and exciting? Maybe you want to take up dancing, or you want to go to a cooking class, or you just want to try something new. Maybe you want to start writing. Maybe you just need a change. Ask yourself, what really gives me some excitement? What kind of would make me feel, wow, I can't wait to wake up today? And start trying those new things. Because that will help you to create new thoughts, and the new thoughts will help you to also release that worry and stress. And also learning a new activity takes focus. So does worry. But when you're focusing on learning a new activity, you'll find that you're focusing less on those things that have been concerning you.
1: And I guess that would be part of mastering the mind then, that that last step you've talked about in the book about how you just sort of begin to pay attention to what's going on in your own mind and begin to master that.
2: Yes, mastering your mind is really learning to guard against your own negative thinking, and it's learning to talk to yourself constructively instead of destructively. And oftentimes we do that because there are two extremes of self-talk. On one extreme, as you probably noticed in your line of work as well, you'll have people who tend to have more of a naturally nurturing self-talk. So if they were to make a mistake, they'd probably say something like, ah, that's okay, everyone makes mistakes, I'll do better next time. On the other extreme, people who tend to have a very negative self-talk or an abusive self-talk. And if they made a mistake, they'd probably say, ah, what's wrong with me? Why do I always make mistakes? Or they, they really focus in on their perceived flaws and imperfections really, really hard on themselves. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes people fall somewhere between the two. I, I would like to give you an example of my all-time favorite positive self talk nurturing self talk I was attending one of my coworkers, one of my colleagues seminars one day, and after she was finished her session, I came up to talk with her and while we 're in the middle of our conversation, a man who had been in the audience, he came up and just very casually asked her if she was pregnant, and she let him know that she was not. Mm-hmm. And most of us would be like, oh, my goodness me. But she looked at me, and with a cheery face, she said, that is the strangest pickup line I have ever heard.
1: <laughs> That's great.
2: That's very nurturing self-talk. And, I, you know, how many of us would have said, instead of saying something like that, we would have just thought, oh, I'm going to burn this outfit and never eat again. Yeah. But it would be more of an abusive self-talk. So we really need to be vigilant on how we're talking to ourselves and choose to change our thinking. And it's not it's not just an an easy process overnight. It does take work. But once you persevere, it's kind of like getting a big giant wheel started. If you can just nudge it a little bit every day, nudging 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 sooner, it's going to gain momentum and that will become your more of natural style of thinking.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it really does take that practice at first. And people always say or many times say uh it's hard. It's hard. It's hard and I I'm like, "Yes, it is." But once you get on the other side, you know, like you said, that big wheel starts rolling and it becomes a lot easier. It becomes sort of like riding a bicycle or something, pick it back up again.
2: Yeah, I recommend that at the beginning it's really important to feed yourself The positive thoughts daily. So find an author that you really enjoy and read a little bit every morning to start your day and read it before you go to bed at night or watch uplifting things on YouTube or do whatever it takes. Listen to motivational CDs in your car on the way to work and on the way home from work. Feed yourself with as many new positive thoughts as possible at the beginning. It's going to make it so much easier because just to say just change your thinking Oh, that's really tough to do. So keep feeding yourself those thoughts that do encourage you and inspire you and uplift you.
1: Yeah, and like you said a little while ago, getting involved in activities that are uplifting and things that give you joy and things that give you peace. Those are those are wonderful ways of the mind sort of just sort of chilling out a little bit.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So so when we are talking about worry, we're not talking necessarily about um, it's bad or it's good. What we're saying is. There are, there are ways that we can change our lives to make them more productive and effective. Sometimes worry isn't uh, it's, it's nudging us forward to do something, and sometimes it's telling us that we need to, that, that really lots of negative messages. So we want to change those. And we're going to talk about this some more right after the break. We're talking today with Denise Merrick about transforming worry into inner calm.
2: Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network.
3: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences' research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness
2: Peter Tong has dedicated over twenty years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness, awakening to conscious co-creation. Airs live
1: Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, three p.m. Eastern Time on Seventh Wave Network. Mom, my tooth fell out. The coach says I can play shortstop. I get to be a deciduous
0: tree. You. Live for the firsts in your child's life. But how do you cope with the firsts that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: And we've been talking today to the worry management expert, Denise Merrick, about how to transform worry into inner calm. And I want to give the listening audience an opportunity to hear from you, Denise, about how they can connect with you, what kind of events and projects you've got going on right now, if you don't mind.
2: No, absolutely. I'd be delighted. I do have one one online video course that I'm, that, that I'm putting out right now, and it's available, it's a five-week online program. And so what that is, is each week for five weeks, you you get the code and you'll watch a five-minute video that gives you strategies on how to stop worrying, and you get homework assignments that, that week. It's quite easy, but it, I find that having some work to do really does help you to stop worrying. And then the next week, you, you log back on and it helps you to understand with what you what you wrote down and helps you to eliminate worry. Also, people are invited to join me on Facebook. That's I'm Denise Merrick, M-A-R-E-K. And I also have a complimentary monthly e-newsletter with strategies every month on, on how to change your thinking and stop worrying. And that can be subscribed to just by going to denisemerrick.com.
1: Wow. Uh, that would be great because I'm, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are out there hope, hopefully writing that down because these are free bits of information that can really help to ease, worry, and calm the mind. So appreciate you giving that to the audience. And um, I want to ask, do you have any, uh, with with regard to the keys to calming down, do you have any sort of immediate strategies that a person can use, like in a stressful moment or a moment when worry starts kicking in? What, what's, what are some steps they can use for, like, an immediate strategy to calm down?
2: Okay, so three questions you can ask yourself, because usually when you're getting worked up and worried, you're thinking, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this? Because if it's... If it's not worry, if it's actually happening, you're not, you're not really concerned. Not that you're not concerned, but you're taking action, so you're not just worrying. So when you're getting those what-if thoughts snowballing out of control, stop for a moment and ask yourself, what is? So ask yourself, what is happening right now? Because that grounds you in the present. Most of the time when you're getting anxious, it's because you're rehashing the past or you're conjuring up future problems that could happen. So get grounded back in the present by saying, what is happening right now? The second thing to ask yourself is to say, will what I'm worrying about matter a year from now? Because most of the time when we're worrying, it's usually about something insignificant that's not really going to matter 12 months from now. So this will help you to restore your perspective. But what if you ask that question, and the answer to that is, oh, yes, if what what I'm worrying about happens, it is going to matter. Then affirm to yourself something that we talked about early in the program, say, I'll handle it. Because, again, once you believe in your ability to handle anything that comes your way, there really isn't a lot to worry about
1: absolutely and that's the bottom line isn't it that's where you're aiming to get to is that place where you solidly know that no matter what happens you'll figure it out you'll just you'll walk through it and you won't be, walk through it alone and you'll trust your inner guidance and you'll you'll figure it out and you'll get to the other side of that next hurdle and you'll be changed and evolved even greater at, at that point
2: absolutely have faith
1: yep yep and and you know that that idea comes through some experience, and one of the best experiences is the idea of knowing if I can, you just said it at the very beginning of the show, if I can stop worrying, innovation, stop worrying. But if I can if I can stop worrying, if I can learn how to live a peaceful existence, then, then I can do anything, you know, because the world does offer us some pain and it offers us some suffering and it offers us some life and some joy and some peace and some wonderful relationships and some, you know, difficult times but if we can know that we can find our own inner peace at any moment of any given day then we then we've got we're way ahead of the game
2: you got that right
1: yeah yeah so all right well um in terms of uh worry and uh calming down is there any last words you have for us today that you would just really like to for the listening audience to tap into and really just sort of get some peace right now?
2: Well, the first thing is, once again, the calm process that we talked about is a four-step process. So the next time you're worrying, follow each of the four steps. Challenge your assumptions. So ask yourself, what am I assuming? And get the facts if you can. But get in the habit of challenging your assumptions. Then act to control the controllable. So if what you're worrying is, if your worry is prompting you to do something, write down on a piece of paper your action plan and take action. And if it's not, then move to the third step, let go of the uncontrollable, and then finally master your mind. So do what you can today to begin creating those new positive thoughts that do help you to fulfill whatever it is you want to fulfill in this lifetime, because you are capable of achieving anything it is that you desire. If you desire inner peace, you're capable of achieving it. If you desire to change your career, you're capable of doing that too. Whatever it is that you really want for your life, you can do it, and you can also learn to control. worry it no longer has to control you Mm -hmm.
1: absolutely every one of our feelings have something to offer us and uh, fear which anxiety or whatever worry that comes with it um, can offer us something if only the fact that we can learn how to not worry but uh, but it gives us some sense of okay this is my pattern of behavior this is what i've been doing this is not necessarily what i want to keep doing so let's see what i can do now to make it different. And that what you said about staying in the present, I think it's huge. I think it's one of the most huge things we can ever do is to really, when I have a client that's coming in and worrying about something, most of the times it's about the future, but often, sometimes it's about the past. But very often it's about the future and, and uh, what what am I going to do and what am I going to say. And, and we start looking at, well, you know, you don't even know that you're going to get the chance to say that because you don't know if you're going to run into that person you want to say it to. Or you know, they're planning their future, and I always say my crystal ball got broke, and uh, I don't know that I can help you plan your future, but I can help you get into now.
2: You know, another another really good thought for people is if they know that they have a recurring worry, so maybe they're trying to overcome an addiction, or maybe they're trying to lose weight, or maybe and they're beating themselves up over something. You can say, "Oh, I'm having that thought again." So, "Oh, I'm having that alcohol thought again." How, how do I want to be? What do I want to create? And get back to what do you really want for your life? So I think that's one of the best strategies is to take some time. Maybe today that's what people can walk away with is take some time to ask yourself, what is it that you want to create in your life? And then focus on that when the worry starts to set in. You can say, oh, I'm having that. I need to lose weight thought again. It doesn't mean you're not going to start getting fit, but it means it doesn't have to consume you in the meantime. You can say, oh, I'm having that thought again. Okay, let me reframe this. How do I want to be? What do I want to create?
1: Yep. And that whole idea of what do I want to create in my life brings us back to the idea that we are creating our lives, and, and and that is something that I find that very often worriers, people who tend to worry, don't really believe that they're in charge. Do you agree with that?
2: The people who worry don't believe they're in charge?
1: They don't believe they're in charge of what they, uh, what's happening in their lives because, you know, bad things are going to happen, and the only thing I can do is worry.
2: I see what you're saying. Yes, sometimes that would be the case. Yes. They feel they feel sort of helpless and, and victims of life rather than the creators of their lives. I totally exactly. agree.
1: Yes, yes. And that idea that we can do something about it makes a huge difference. Well, thank you again, Denise, for being on the show today. And, uh, and next week we're going to be talking to Tyler Jennings about uh, psychology and Buddhism. So you don't want to miss that. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself
0: thanks again for listening to authentic living with andrea matthews join us again next wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern time here on the seventh wave network we'll talk again next week